We are starting, though, with something you might have heard in the news. The B.C. government is proposing giving Indigenous groups more decision-making powers when it comes to public land in this province. It would require a major overhaul of the Land Act, and it would then enable agreements with Indigenous governing bodies to have joint decision-making power. And again, this would deal with public land. The decisions then made alongside the minister in charge of lands. Some information has been put out about this. Many questions have been raised about this. We've heard from business law firm Macmillan LLP saying the amendments that are being proposed would essentially give Indigenous groups a legal veto power over decisions that have to do with Crown land. From everything we can see, what the government's proposing to do is to make amendments to the Land Act so that Indigenous groups will be able to make decisions to have an actual legal veto over decisions under the Land Act. Right now it's the minister, um, the minister that makes these decisions and the act says they have to be done in the public interest generally. And we understand the government to be proposing a change that would allow Indigenous groups to have the power to make those decisions and, and require their approval as well. That is Robin Younger with uh, the group, uh, the business law firm, Macmillan LLP. Well, joining me now to talk a bit more about this is Kevin Falcon, the leader of BC United. Thank you so much for taking some time today. Uh, Thanks so much for doing this. A lot of questions are being raised about this, and it can be found on the the engage.gov.bc.ca website, but still not a lot of answers. What is your take on what is actually being proposed here? Well, all kinds of red flags are going up on this issue. Uh, I'm very, very concerned about the the phony sort of engagement process that's underway right now. And I say phony because... Uh, it's been widely reported, and I believe it, that the NDP plan on actually uh, putting this into the legislature this spring, which means drafting is either already completed or well underway. So the the consultation process, which they've done everything they could to make sure nobody knows about it, um, uh, strikes me as being, uh, you know, the typical approach they take. This reminds me of when David Eby was responsible for the electoral reform and tried to, you know, push through and manipulate that process to get a result that they wanted. Fortunately, the public saw through that and gave a massive repudiation. But here we go again. And this has huge implications. And I want to be clear, Joe, I am very, very pro First Nations, especially reconciliation and accommodation where appropriate and working together. In fact, just last week, I was at the Northern Resource Forum and we rolled out a plan that BC United, formerly known as BC Liberals, would would say to the First Nations that we've got a plan called the Indigenous Loan Guarantee Program where we um, help uh, Indigenous uh, folks with the greatest challenge they have, which is access to capital, by providing loan guarantees on projects that they can then invest as equity partners and really uh, create the kind of uh, exciting opportunity to invest in natural resources, non-natural resources, etc. So I'm very, very uh, pro-Indigenous reconciliation. But this, this undermines a fundamental democratic principle. And the democratic principle is that the public lands belong to all of us and that the decisions that are being made must be made by representatives who are representing the interests of all British Columbians, including Indigenous peoples. And the direction they're going in is the absolute opposite.
And so what is the reason being given uh, to, to go through this process? And again, this was pointed out as well in, in some of the information that was put out by uh, the law firm with, with Robin Younger uh, that uh, I played there earlier, saying that, yes, the Supreme Court of Canada says consultation with Indigenous groups must happen, but nowhere in the Supreme Court of Canada ruling about this does it say that one particular group gets a veto. And, and that's where they're making the, the difference here as, as far as what cha- what this would change. So do you know what was the, the reason given as to why this is even being put out there right now? Well, this this is a very important point. So Robert, uh, sorry, Robin Younger is probably the one of the top experts in Indigenous law in the country. So you have to listen carefully when he speaks out and expresses his dire concerns about this. So important to understand the courts, the Supreme Court, on multiple occasions, has made it very clear that that First Nations do not have a veto. They full stop. They've said that on multiple occasions. We must honor and accept. Uh, as we do, Section 35 of the Constitution, which is really quite unique in the world, that says there is actually a duty to consult and where appropriate accommodate First Nations' interests under case law. And that's something that we would absolutely adhere and support and continue to support. But what the NDP are doing is going much farther than that. They are unilaterally deciding that they want to provide a veto right. And the concern with that is that if you have an MLA or a minister right now who has an obligation to act in the public interest. All the legislation is very clear. Ministers must act in the public interest. That means the broad public interest. But if you now bring in another group, and there are 204 First Nations in the province, to say that they also are now joint decision makers on a specific land issue, then you've now got a, you've now got a, a, a conflict problem. So that First Nation may very well and quite rightly uh, make a decision what they determine is in their interests. But that, that may differ very dramatically from what is in the broader public interest. And so that's why we're saying that for them to go forward with this without proper consultation, without being up front with the public, is absolutely unacceptable. And when we are talking about public land that is is in the province, I want to just play another uh, clip. Uh, Robin Younger, as you said, uh, one of the the, the best, uh, w- very uh, well versed in Indigenous law, uh, explaining exactly what we're talking about when we're looking at, at this changing the Land Act. What land is actually being discussed? What we're hearing from is um, primarily holders of ten years under the Land Act or people that are needing them from time to time. I mean, people talk about crown land, it's 95% of the province, but you know, for most people, they never deal with a crown, a land act crown tenure, they don't really know what it means. But you know, if you ski in British Columbia, you're on a, on a land act tenure. If you put your boat or your canoe in at a lake or the ocean, um, you're probably on a land act tenure. If you are uh, going to a fishing lodge or bear viewing, you're going to be using a Land Act tenure. So it really is an extremely broad, comprehensive uh, regime. So what do you what do you take from that then if this passes or if this goes ahead? What does that mean for the examples Robin just gave there and what we're talking about if we're talking about 95 percent of the land in the province? Well, that means that pretty much anything that happens on the province, skiing, fishing, uh, sledding, whatever the case may be, uh, could potentially be subject to uh, a First Nations veto. And that is really problematic when we're talking about public lands. And I want to be clear about this. Is not. I'm very concerned this would actually create 
um, negative impacts against First Nations, which would be the last thing we'd want to see as we go through the process of reconciliation. Uh, I want to give you an example. Do you remember the Joffrey Lake situation uh, last summer? August long weekend, Lillawatt Nation unilaterally decided they were going to close down the park. The NDP did nothing for a month and a half, and all public access was was cancelled in that park. That was one example. The more recent one is now what the NDP are doing in the Pender Harbor situation in terms of foreshore leases and docks and people realizing now that they're not going to be able to uh, uh, make decisions, uh, uh, repair, uh, replace, or do anything to do with their docks without getting uh, approval from the seashell ban. And I think the problem is that there is a broader public interest here. Um, and and that for them to rush this through without proper scrutiny, without proper public input is simply wrong. I will do everything I can to oppose it because it just goes against a fundamental democratic principle that I, I cannot and will not stand for. So looking at the timeline that is on the 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 slide presentation that the public can go and look. And again, it's at the engage.gov.bc website. Uh, It's saying that up until March 31st, the site is open. People can input to their opinions, their thoughts on this, that early February to March will be bill drafting. Uh, So I guess that's going to happen at the same time that people are still giving their, their input. And then the bill will be introduced in the spring legislative session. But going back to what you said off the top, does does that timeline say to you that, that this is already, been they they already know what the bill is going to look like absolutely they've been doing this under the radar in a very sneaky fashion uh we first you know got got a taste of it with the joffrey lakes we got a further taste of it with what's happening at pender harbor um you know with hundreds and hundreds of residents up there extremely upset to find out that they are shut out of any 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 reasonable input uh, on on what's happening there, and now we're going to see it here. And I, they've already made up their minds. They're moving forward, and this perfunctory public consultation process is a joke. And frankly, it's it's uh, beneath David Eby and the NDP to think that they could try and ram something like this through without proper consultation. This has massive implications for 95% of the land base in this province, and they cannot do it in this manner. And and as I say, we will do everything we can as the official opposition. I can tell you BC and I will do everything we can to raise awareness and make sure we do everything we can to stop this. It's not right. Kevin Falcon, we'll leave it there for today. I appreciate your time. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much for having me, Jill. It's a really important topic.